Hi everyone, this is 20s Converse with Lovely and Toby, a conversation between two age-old friends about life, the world, and everything in between. On this week's episode, we took everyone back to church. This is the one about spirituality in postmodern culture. We answered questions like, what is spirituality? What is a church? The institutional structure of the church and its expressions? Church culture in the 21st century? Myths about megachurches? And a lot more. We kick things off by both sharing our backgrounds about growing up in the church. Let me, give, let me, let me start by giving my own background, right? Because I think I think good for us to do that at the start. Yeah. Right. So my own background, right? I'm a Christian, but I, I see myself as an incomplete Christian. And I say that, I use that word because... I I believe in God, you know. I believe in everything Christianity stands for. But I say I'm incomplete because of the fact that I'm not the ideal um, self that that what I believe in should represent. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. So some people some people will use the term and say, "Oh, well, you're on a journey of faith. You know, you're finding yourself." Blah 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 blah. blah. Some people might see it as black and white is you're either in or out. But I don't know. I'm 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 just saying where I am at the moment, which is um, I th- I think I'm an incomplete Christian. Obviously, trying to be complete at some point. Okay. But you know, it's just trying to find a way to achieve that. So we're going to talk about this this idea of church and faith and and spirituality in today's culture, postmodern culture, you know, and how that's evolved and and how that looks like, mm-hmm. you know. And I want to tackle some questions that you know are kind of personal, personal to us anyway, but relate to the church and the faith. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, do you want to give some context as well on your on your own stance and all yeah. this? So, for me, I, I think mine mine has been the typical story. To be honest, um, I was born in church, grew up in church, raised in church, and stayed in church. Um, although at the start, you know, that was the narrative. I think you know, at some points in in my life, I think I did make a personal decision to, you know, actually make it my own thing as well. And I think we'll get into the different kinds of, you know people they are classes of categories of people they are when it comes to religion and spirituality um but i'd say um i'm like an, an avid believer in my faith um i i carry it it's not just a functional thing for me. It's, it, it's it's a personal thing for me as well but that said it's, um that might come off as oh this guy is trying to be perfect but i think we're all generally still on a journey of growth in our faith and all of that and there's always levels to you know to strive to to be better to that and one thing i hold true to myself is that you know direction is direction is much better than momentum like it's more important than momentum right you can be moving fast and you know heading in the wrong direction but i think when it comes to faith and you know all of these things direction is very important in those cases and so that's what i'll say like i think i am on a journey and you know taking the next right step that feels right to me but that doesn't mean i'm better than anybody who's in a different stage of their own journey uh but long story short really grew up in church but made a decision for myself yeah yeah absolutely like just just to just follow up on that that idea of being raised in church i think i think the tip not the typical but the average christian today was mainly as a product of being raised in church yeah you know i, I said the average in our context being um late not late 20s mid 20s i won't say late 20s i'm not late 20s yet <laughs> it's not it's not late yet please um but yeah so what is spirituality to you as, as a concept um 
So honestly, like whenever we put all these words in there, I always try to like Google them just to see what the context currently is. But I think spirituality has been defined from many angles, but one of which is like, you know, there's, 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 there's this God that people believe in and spirituality is the journey towards, you know, becoming more like, I guess, the ideal thing um, that has been called out for you to be, right? Um, but that, that's one section of things. Um, I, I think in, a, in another section of things, it's more about, people have started to define it more as, you know, that connection to what is not physical, right? And so th- there's a spiritual movement that is within church and there's one that is without, like outside of the church. Um, and so the one within the church is more about, you know, becoming more attuned to things of the spirit um, and things of God and all of those things. And outside the church, it's more about connecting to what is beyond physical, not necessarily like a God or anything. Mm. Um, so that's kind of like my understanding of spirituality. But, what, you know, how about you? Me, honestly, I don't know. Um, that's the truth. I don't know. I, if, if you ask, ask me to define it, I'll give a definition that I find on Google. Okay. To be honest. So um, I'm, I'm guessing it has to do with, you know, how, I guess, I guess it has to do with you believing that there is, there is a self that is different from your physical self. Mm-hmm. And, and that self has to relate to some form of higher spiritual self. Yeah, but yeah, honestly, all the back of my head, I can't lie and pretend like I know what spirituality means. Mm. I'll, I'll have to Google it to say, okay, yeah, okay, this is yeah, that's what it means. Yeah. You get so, but but moving on from that, um, when we talk about in postmodern world, what yeah. what is just just clarify what does that mean? Okay, uh, so this one is quite quite interesting. So I'll start from talking about the modern world. So the modern world was um, was kind of like a world that wanted to depart from. Um, things that were regular, right? You know, to depart from what was ideal in certain situations, right? So that that was kind of like what modernism was about, like moving away from tradition and things like that. Postmodernism, on the other hand, is more about saying that, you know, it's kind of like moving away from modernism in the sense that you, I, there's no one truth, right? So modernism was kind of like saying there's one truth, but it wasn't the old truth. Postmodernism is there isn't one truth. Like it's more about relativism, um, you know, understanding different world perspectives and judging every scenario based on you know relativity, based on you know whatever what someone else might say about it, or like it, it's it's just that critiquing and that skepticism about everything that people have held to be true, um, from art to religion to culture to things like that. So like there's a very huge you know, shift towards like breaking away from tradition and things like that um, when it comes to postmodernism. I guess that's what, from my research, to be honest, mm. like, totally wrong, but that, that's what I read about it. Again, just to talk about why we, why we chose this topic in the first place, right? Yeah. And it's just the idea of, you know, I, I started by saying, well, I don't, know, I don't know if I made this comment to you one day where I said, well, I wonder why, you know, church leaders, or rather the church, the church as a whole, yeah. does not really take part in issues of social justice. Mm. Or, or, or issues of society like why does the church not do that because yeah. I always found that pretty pretty strange mm. because not not because you know it doesn't happen but because you know when we, when we think of Christianity and religion and all this we think of morality we think of being good yeah. right now so I'm thinking why, why, why is there not something being done to stand up for the things in society that are not good for the, from the church's perspective anyway so that was what led us, led me to say, okay, yeah, let's touch on this, right? But before we get into that, yeah, you know, there's, there's this idea of, of a mega church, right? Mm-hmm. So now tell me, like a mega church, 
is that a good thing? What is a mega church anyway? But is that a good thing? Is that what is the idea of a mega church? Okay. Um, so by definition, a mega church is a church that has, you know, 2000 members and above. Um, from that perspective that meets, you know, weekly or whatever, um, and all of those things. Um, and so if, if the question is, uh, are mega churches bad? I think that's like a very hasty generalization to make. Some of the arguments against mega churches are the fact that, you know, um, a church is supposed to be like, if you look at the Bible, um, you know, there were a lot of small communities, churches that met in the home and all these like small groups of people meeting together and professing their faith and things like that. But mega churches, the argument against them is that, you know, more and more they begin to feature elements of, you know, consumerism of that, you know, pop culture of just being big as a business. And there sort of now starts to be this um, lack of genuity. Um, I would say. Honestly, what I usually preface all these statements with is that um, I I use the guns don't kill people um, example in the sense that like, just because they are bad actors using certain mediums to do certain things, it does not remove the fact that the medium in and of itself can do some good. Um, so in that aspect, I would say that there are mega churches that are done right, where there's a strong community, where there's a strong, you know, influence in society, where there's good being done and all of that. But there's also mega churches where you question, you know, their connection to this faith that they profess, you know, just looking at things that they do altogether. Um, so that's what I'll say about mega churches, you know, to start with, because I'm sure our conversation will, will dive into a bit more things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, cause if cause I think growing up, I grew up in what in what a mega church is. Cause um, my my mom went to um, what's it called, Winners. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah. I, I think Winners Chapel, Living Faith Church. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, I think I think that that falls in the category of being a mega church. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and I think I think the first ever time I began to think about all these things of mega church was was when um. We changed, we changed pastor, pastors or bishops, something like that. Yeah. Right. So that happened one Sunday, and then I asked, I said, "Oh, why, why did the bishop leave?" Mm. You know. Yeah. And and mom said she no no, and then and then I think the week after or two weeks after that, that that day, I then found out that the bishop is now now started his, his own church somewhere else, right? Yeah. And and then, and then some people joined him in his church. Yeah. And I, and then I thought, and this, and this was like maybe like when I was like twelve or thirteen, I thought, well why why like it, it, it seemed it seemed at that point it seemed like you know it did not look amicable yeah or amiable yeah one of one of those words it, 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 <laughs> yeah 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 it, it didn't look that way because it seemed like from what she told me it wasn't like a it's it's shown to let's let's preach for the gospel yeah it felt like it's something like okay let me do my own thing yeah right and then for, for me i just thought that okay there's there's a conflict here yeah. Right. And that conflict just meant that somebody wants something and somebody wants something else. Yeah. So I just thought, okay, then why so so I think that was the first time ever I I had those um I fell into those those myths about mega churches, right? And and I, I think that takes me nicely to my next point. I was gonna ask you, um and what are the myths you you've seen or you've heard or you've experienced about mega churches? Um, okay, so in terms of mega churches, um let me say I think one of them is that you know, they are like the only reason why mega churches exist is because of the personality of the main preacher, right? You know, that, you know, it's more personality driven than faith driven or gospel driven. 
And um, again, I think that's a hasty generalization to make, but I think it's also a very um, unfair argument to make because I think with the way the world is designed, if you're doing what you're doing with excellence and doing it well, you will attract people, you will attract attention. Right. If you start a company, not to use that example, but if you start a company and you're doing pretty well, you would have people that want to be a part of that story. So I feel, and a lot of these uh, mega churches, they didn't start out as mega, mega churches. For example, when I was back in Nigeria, um, I'm a member of House on the Rock, right? House on the Rock started as a prayer meeting in um, you know, someone's house for the longest time, then moved to something in Unilag. So I think people... Some people encounter mega churches at the point where they are now a mega church, but that doesn't take away from the fact that these guys have actually grown through those phases. Mm. Um, me, I like to bring a Bible story into this, like you know, um, after the the the, whole, the Pentecost thing that happened, you know, Peter stood up to preach, and on that day, three thousand people were added to the church. Like they became from one twenty or twelve or however many they were at that point to three thousand, which is essentially a mega church by our definition right now. So does that take away from, I guess, the core of what it is that we're doing? I don't think so. Um, but obviously, I'll say that with caution in the sense that there are you know, mass movements and trendy things that people have you know, joined to and called you know, church that you know, if you go there, if you look at what they're doing, as you know, a Christian, you're questioning a few things. That does exist. But I think um, the myth that, you know, this is all about one person's personality um, is one myth, I think, you know. Yeah. Correct, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Is there anyone you've seen from your yeah. or, you know? Yeah, I think, and I think that point you made about questioning stuff, I think, I think we'll come back to that later because I think that's one, one thing I want, I want to bring up, you know, tackle. But, you know, this idea of, you know, the growth, right? I agree that, yes, sometimes you start something and it grows, it's not your fault, it's growing. You're doing the good, good work of the Lord, isn't it? Yeah. Right. So let, let anyone not um, take that from you. But here's my but. It yeah. also appears sometimes that, that there is competition. Mm. Right. I, keep, I said it appears from, from, my own, from my own eye anyway, because my eye is a critical eye. Yeah. Right. It appears that it's competition. I say that because you just, you just observe certain rhetorics in in the advertisement marketing mm. you know that churches have you know and then you know even how they engage with churches around because you see that churches maybe on one street on one street together mm. or that you see that it's competition to maybe like someone 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 takes a parking space first or someone someone billboards yeah. is bigger than the other one's neck so it, like that that happens yeah my, my point there is if we're all for again i'm trying to look at this thing with as somebody who's in the church for the first time yeah. If we're all for the gospel, should there be competition? <sighs> no, 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 no. First of all, yeah. first of all, is there competition? Do you agree there's competition? To be honest, yes. Um, and, you know, it's nothing new in the sense that, again, I would always... So one thing I'll preface here is that I think sometimes when we read scripture, we sanitize scripture, like we clean it up and make it seem like it's this holy book, when in fact it's a book about history, about geography, about people that lived real lives. That said, you know, there's a thing that happened in the Bible where people were claiming, oh, I'm for Paul, I'm for Apollos, I'm for this person, I'm for that person. That essentially was competition. There were people that were claiming, oh, I follow this guy, even though it was still the same gospel that they were preaching, right? And, you know, that is a... I did not know that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I like to share stories like this because 
people like to think that oh we're living in this age where you know what we're facing we've never faced it before but that's that, that's a lie like if you, if you look closely like history repeats itself in different versions right and you know um it's bound to happen and why i would say that is because uh, as men you know we have certain tendencies, right? And if we don't pull those tendencies into control, they find expressions in very interesting ways. And one of those expressions is in competition, right? Ideally, you should be in a race against yourself, not against anybody else. I'm sorry, when you say men, do you mean human race or men specifically? No, human race, sorry. Um, human race. Sorry. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's that thing where the person you should be in competition with is yourself, not necessarily the person next door. And I think um, some churches have exhibited certain traits that are not, you know, um, you know, coherent with the gospel that they preach, you know, when it's, uh, people call it, I, I've forgotten the word they use for it, but it's kind of like people jump in churches, like, you know, move, mm. I don't like this church, I don't like this product, essentially, and so I move to the next one. And I think it also has more to say about us as people, um, also in addition to, you know, churches as churches, because we've become very self-centered. And so we're essentially seeking, like we're in a very, um, the, we're a very seeker generation, seeker-friendly generation. And so we're always, there's no loyalty per se, not like there's supposed to be loyalty in church in that sense, but like people are easily looking for things that benefit them. And so if they look at certain things and it doesn't work that way, they move on, right? And so for churches, churches are like, oh, wow, um, this guy was here, but he's now there. You try and find out, you find out maybe because they, their choir sings certain kinds of songs or they do certain kinds of services and you try to feel like, oh, I still want my flock to grow. So maybe I can incorporate some of those things into what I do. Mm-hmm. I w- Sometimes it's positive, right? Like if you see a church being excellent at something and you can copy that and be excellent as well. Absolutely. I don't think there's a problem with that. But I think what you're talking about is unhealthy competition where it feels like, you know, the focus has changed from trying to help people grow into who has the largest membership right yeah um, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 and 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 i mean again it is sometimes it's obvious sometimes it's not but again all of that is is all subjective because some people will not see it that way at all like you said you know and and like you said this the competition in quote is not a new thing yeah. as with the example you gave about the bible right yeah but okay that aside yeah let's talk about you know issues in, in in community you know yeah. for me i feel like i feel like there is they are pressing the church the church as in again i'll use the example of black community because i'm black right yeah the church in black community tends to have a lot of power right okay in in the sense of whatever a pastor says a church preaches members are likely to follow right so like they've got influence that is established yeah right they've got large influence now my issue now is not my issue. My question is, how come how come we never see churches, these leaders, come out and 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 speak about issues that have to do with the real real world that people are facing? Yeah. So like when something so not just politics but like real issues, social justice issues. You know, it could be racism, it could be something that happened in the news that isn't just. It could be something political as well. Yeah, and I, I never I never see. And particularly issues where there's clear cut that, you know, we need we need we need voices to join up and say, okay, no, this this can't be done. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I yeah. I find I find it weird that, you know, that that, that doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. And again, a part of me knows that it's deliberate. That that there's there's a deliberate silence. Mm. And 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 again, if I'm to think about why that's the case, my first guess would be, well, one, whatever you say might not align with some of the members. 
so you might lose people. Yeah. Two, you you risk you risk um say, saying the saying the wrong thing and then being made to look as something you're not. Yeah. Or I don't know. Or three, you are going against a bigger body that that's probably funding you, not funding you, but allowing you do what you do. Yeah. Right. Because again, like like you don't want the government to come and give you a tax, yeah. um, or cut or whatever on on your on your on your on your building, right? Yeah. But I think I think that is bad. I think I think we should have more church leaders participate more in issues of social justice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not legal justice because that is that's a different thing. Yeah. Social justice. That's what I mean of the world. And I don't I don't say that enough. What do you think? Um. I think there's some truth in what you've said in the sense that I think with the, let, let's look at it based on statistics with the amount of churches that we have in, let, let's use Nigeria as an example, with the amount of churches littered across, you would think there'll be more of a voice on certain issues. But um, what I will say is that there are people that speak out on certain things like, you know, and if you look closely enough, you would see certain, there, there are certain people that like, for example, Pastor Samadi Yemi, Pastor Kodre Made, you know, Pastor Paul Adifarazi. There, 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 there are a lot of them, or let's say some of them that actually speak out. Um, let's move into things like, you know, what's going on now with COVID. Um, Pastor, uh, Pastor Samadi Yemi has gotten on so many lives and so many things and spoken even against other churches that are trying to like open up saying, oh, why are they allowing businesses to open and not allowing us to open, that sort of thing. And, you know, he's brought very, very clear, you know, perspectives on, you know, the fact that as, as leaders in the body of Christ, we're examples for what people should follow. And, you know, you can't be saying these things or have this perspective about things, right? And, you know, that, that that's another example and so for me and there'll be others in the past maybe none that i can call to remember like right now but what i what i would point out is that i think it depends on where you're looking and who you're listening to i think the narrative um from the media and from certain aspects are much louder than the church and really the church isn't called to you know um be debaters on certain kinds of issues like it's more about action mm. and so you know mm. there's, there's reports that have that have been done on churches that have done good work you know for example house on the rock has this prison ministry there are people that are locked up in prison that haven't seen a lawyer haven't heard a case haven't done all these things but they're just there in prison because they were caught in something right some of them are innocent right and there are many churches not just house on the rock that have ministries that actually employ lawyers pro bono to go fight for these cases and get some of them out there there's a popular oh, guy i don't know that way. Yeah, exactly. There's a popular guy, a guy on Nollywood who's passed away now, um, who was actually a product of um, a prison ministry where he then got into Nollywood. So obviously these are like one-off examples. But again, the narrative is that depending on where you look, right, and who you're listening to, you might or might not find out about these stories is what I would say, right? And bad news travels fast. Like what you see readily in the media is when, you know, a pastor says this is very controversial or whatever, but you won't hear about all of these silent things. And the church, honestly, we're not, like, we're not about tooting our own horns outside our circles is what I would say. Like, there are some churches that put their word out, but I think a lot of the times it's just because if you're not within the community, which is something maybe we should look into as a church, but I think if you're not within the community, some things are not very clear. But the other side of things is that some churches put a lot of like, word out about what they're doing and people judge them for it saying, oh, stay in the church, Do you're not supposed to be rich, you're not supposed to be doing this, like, just preach the yeah. you understand? So I think it's hard to please everyone, but I would say there are good actors out there um, doing the things that you said um, you, you've been looking out for. Mm, mm. 
and just just, just follow up on that because we spoke about these church leaders doing things on the side or on the low or rather not on the side but not shouting about it that is fair but I also know that again. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I keep using the word "buts" because it sounds like I'm going negative. I'm not going negative. I'm just transitioning. Um, <laughs> there is. There are elements, or there's evidence. Maybe not. Maybe not clear cut, measurable evidence. But from 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 what I can see, in some cases, there's cases where it appears that some congregation members tend to fall into the trap of idolizing pastors, mm. Mm. idolizing church leaders. Yes. So I'm like, what? Is then the line between where you idolize a pastor and where you look up to a pastor simply like what is that line mm. you know because again i'm guessing it has to do with um independence of your faith or spiritual independence again yeah. I, I don't have the good vocal i don't have the best vocabulary of of of, of a complete christian will have but in those lines yeah you get so uh, what do you think is that line basically between idolizing idol, idol, your top leader and just looking up to them yeah, this is a problem. This is an issue that you know is very common in in our circles, right? Or so you know, there's this joke that um, okay, I will say the first part of the joke because it's a bit controversial. But it's like when people come into church, they kind of like leave their minds outside, and then they come into church, right? There's that narrative, and and it's that thing of you know, people have said religion is the opium of the people. And all of those things, and so there's, there's this, people are looking for certain things, and there's this tendency to make you know men of God that sort of like thing to aspire to, and then the thin line between aspiration and then becoming this person that is obsessed and you know with this leader as opposed to what the leader is preaching is very common among our parts, right? And honestly, I don't know what to say about it other than I, I think faith is a very personal thing, and you know pastors, teachers are mediums to point you in the right direction um but it will be remiss of you to make the people that are showing you where to go as the destination is what i would say like it's wrong like it's not right like it's not the right thing to do but for whatever reason um it just seems more profound right in in churches particularly in the black community to be honest i think there's a very yeah. strong sort of like uh, it starts out as allegiance culture like oh this person is my guy right and then if, without care, it slowly builds into what you've described where you're now idolizing this person. Um, but to be honest, like, I, I don't think, it's hard to say. Like, what I've seen is that some pastors, um, pastors, quote unquote, have taken advantage of that in the sense that- Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, the, the pastors that have taken advantage of that to do things that are not, you know, Jesus-like is the way I'll put it right now. But I feel like that's the exception and not the norm, right? That's not how things are supposed to be. And they're good examples. What I like about all of these things that we're talking about is that for every bad example, for every not so good example, there's actually good examples to look at, right? I'm not saying all the good examples will always be perfect, but there's good examples to look at. So again, it, it depends on what you're looking for and what you're seeking to you know, find out, right? But you know what's funny here, yeah? you know, just linking to that, that idolizing aspect. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and you're saying them, them taking advantage of it. Sometimes, you know, there's this, there's this idea of power, right? And again, I would, I, I, I'll be the guy in this conversation who would come in from the unchurched on, on mindset, even though I'm churched, right? Yeah. There, yeah. There, there's this idea of power where, you know, the more power you have, 
the more likely you have to be corrupted with it. Yeah. yeah. Right. And we've seen a, a, examples of this across history, biblical history, and just even recent history. Yeah. Right. And and again, that links to what we're talking about in terms of if a pastor feels or gets the vibe that oh yeah, he's been idolized, he's more likely to take advantage of that if he's not fully of the faith, right? So so it's so it's easier for them to do that right yeah and obviously i can't control that that happened but what i tend to see which is either deliberate or undeliberate is this idea of of us the congregation seeing the church as as the as the groundbreaking truth now what i mean by that is you know how there's churches or pastors or deacons or whatever who who run marriage counseling they run well-being care they run I'm single and married, this thing, let's, let's, let's fix. That is okay. Yes, that is okay. But the, the danger there for me is because, because people are looking to you for hope and faith yeah. as guidance anyway. In the end, these things that, you were, that they're taking on, some of them actually require professionalism, Absolutely. Which, yeah. which these guys do not have. Yeah. Right, because I've 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 had many sermons where where his pastor will say something wild about marriage or something wild about finances. I'm like, dude, you're a pharmacist, fam. Like, <laughs> I get I I get that you have the Lord, but you know, take yeah. it easy because some of you you can tell that there is no evidence. Is is just the same way um that guy came on 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 earth to talk about how five G is linked to coronavirus as 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 a man with a following you got no evidence bro so it's it's just that's the same way that links to you know them you know these professional services i'm thinking who's fault not who's fault but who needs to be more careful yeah. them as the guys forming the professionals or or, yeah. or the people listening yeah um i'll give her a very politically correct answer here in the sense that i think both parties have responsibilities but i'll start from the the pastors I think I was reading something one day um, and it, it was by, uh, it was actually where Ravi Zacharias said this. And it's like, pastors have a very difficult job in the sense that they're, they're expected to be generalists, right? Because your sole purpose is to point people to, you know, the creator, to Jesus. And, you know, in th- that comes with certain problems that you need to speak into. People come to church to expect their problems to be spoken into. Either you give them a direct solution or you give them the capacity to be able to solve that problem sometimes. Like, that's not the right way to come into church most times, but people find themselves in church because they have problems, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, pastors then find themselves in a situation where, like, you know, you're moved away from your area of speciality. Um, and obviously, like, you have knowledge that can apply to certain situations. But I think the pastors that I vibe with the most are pastors that know where to draw the line. You know, they're pastors that will tell you that, you know, yes, you know, you have the mind of Christ. You know, depression isn't this. Um, you know, it's not for you. It's not to give into you, like, all of those things. But they tell you to still seek attention, you know, to still seek professional services. Like, yes, they can speak into your life and tell you some of these things, but they cannot offer you professional help. Except it's a Christian that also is, a, you know, you know, you know, physiotherapy. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. An expert in that in that field. Exactly, yeah. and then the person can blend their faith into what they're telling you. But I think we need more and more 
you know, of these uh, men of God and, you know, people in, not just men of God, actually, but people in positions of power to understand where your influence stops, right? Where you need to move away from being a generalist and point people in the direction that they're supposed to go. There are examples of people that do this pretty well. Pastor Gwaja does this a lot. Like he calls an health expert to speak about certain things or he calls someone in that industry to speak about it. And they speak of it from the basis of their profession and also from the basis of their faith, balancing it out. And I think that's the best way to go about it. Like even in the Bible, like different, different people had different skills. There were some that are apostles, some that were, you know, healers, some were, there, there were different kind of like gifts given to different people. And that just means mm-hmm. that one person mm-hmm. isn't required yeah, to do all of, Yeah, that means one person isn't required to do all of it. So I think, you know, I'll put more of the responsibility on the people in leadership, the people that have the influence to point people in the right direction and to know when their knowledge, right, not just stops, but when it's better to also have that professional side of things, right? But I think you know as yeah, people I, as well... Yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, finish. No you, no, you, no, you finish. Yeah, so, and as people as well, I think, you know, as much as there's the community of faith that you're supposed to, assembly you're supposed to be a part of, your faith is lastly, like final analysis of it is a personal thing, right? And so once you have that mindset to start with, it allows you to filter some of the things that, might not necessarily be a hundred percent true when it comes to how to deal with certain issues, right? Beyond the spiritual aspects of but the issue here is this here. Yeah. Nobody calls out pastors. Right? And and that's just legit the case. Nobody calls them out. And I say when I say nobody is, if if a pastor says that something says says a fact that definitely requires in professional expertise for you to be able to say that fact with such braveness. Yeah. Right. And and the fact is clearly wrong, right? I don't think well, not that I don't think, but I it is it is right to see, you know, people call, say, yo, bro, after something like yo, forgot what you said earlier. Let's talk. Does that happen? I don't think that happens enough. Um, right. Okay. And I think go on, go on. and I think and I think again, I'm making a very shallow assumption, but yeah. I think they know that that they get away with the law. Yeah. They know, they know that, that they don't get questioned. I want to say they, I mean the ones that are not doing the things that I'm saying that they should be doing. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I think, I think while they, when they know that, that they don't get questioned, that gives them room, levity to keep bashing on mm. facts that do not exist yeah. or, or keep giving counseling like you have a degree. When your degree is literally in, 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 in intro tech, you know, it is, it is, it is, it is, it is often unaligned, right? Yeah. So it is a very tricky thing, right? But let's just move on from that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is the church being um, undemocratic in the sense of having a a a top leader doing everything? Is yeah. that is that a deliberate measure? Um. So I'll preface that with not all churches are like that. I think um, this is more uh, popular, or like this this narrative is more popular in the new age you know, mega churches. If you think about the Orthodox churches, for example, for like Baptist and all of these guys, there's like proper, there's proper structure in place. Like look at the Catholic church as well. Like before the Pope becomes the Pope, there's a whole sequence of things that needs to happen. So it's not just one person, right? But what you've described tends to happen, you know, in the more new generation types of churches. But the ones that are doing things well, although there's one man who has the vision and all of that, there's people around him that they're accountable to. 
the strong, I, I think in my perspective, the strong ministry is the ones that are doing the right things. Although there's one person that has the vision, he's surrounded by people that he's not only accountable to, but also accountable to the vision itself. So yes, there's, there's, if you look at Apple, for example, like if we're going to look at businesses and companies, like when Steve Jobs was, was alive, right? Sure, he was the man with the vision that came, he's the face of the company, the, ones that, the one that runs the keynotes and things like that. But, you know, he couldn't just do anything because he was that person. So there were checks and balances in place in terms of like an internal structure that wasn't necessarily visible to us on the outside is what I would say. So I think with some of these other, um, I, guess, I guess, properly um, set mm-hmm. up like mega churches and things like that, there is that close circle that the pastor is accountable to at the end of the day. Um, so like, 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 do you think basically those who are more religious uh, are poorer? In, in, in the most basic sense I can put it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, okay. there might be a study on this actually, but probably I is. think I, I think I, I think that that is actually the case. But yeah. I'll start, I'll start this by saying, you know, the narrative, even the the pro, the proverb or the idiom, sorry, the idiom of as poor as a church rat, like that already shows you the history of where this is coming from. And if you look at the history of the gospel, a lot of, like, the gospel came out of oppression. The Israelites were oppressed, like, proper oppressed by the Romans where they were in. So, like, that was the history of the church. But as, obviously, as the church grew and all of that, you know, more people, as oppression was lifted and things like that, there became, like, means in the church. People were selling their lands to, you know, help the gospel and all of that, even from the Bible, right? Let's move it to today. I think this is where I like to distinguish between like people that are religious and people that are, you know, spiritual, right? I think religion, like there's arguments about like, like if we try and define the religion along those lines, it's just serving to push our own narrative as Christians. But mm. I, I'm mm. just saying, I'm just saying that some people like see church as functional. Right? One thing that they do one day in a week to check box and things like that. And yeah. when you don't carry what you, taken honestly i don't like that is me sometimes but yeah let's let's continue <laughs> yeah but but once you don't carry the the again and if you're in a good church learning about good things the real word of god and things like that if you don't carry what you learn on a sunday into your week it could present itself in different ways but i, I will say that a lot of people like i said that narrative of when they get into church they leave their brains and their minds outside um and they get into church and mm. sometimes i think it's even over spirituality that causes it you know, this thing of, you know, this world is passing away. So, you know, I'm just going to live my life for God. And on a Tuesday morning at 8 a.m., you are in church for prayer meeting. I said Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Now, I'm yeah. not saying you can't go to church anymore. Oh, God, let's never yeah. get into that. Yeah, you get. So, so my, my issue is that, like, the example I like to paint is that if, if the sole purpose for you giving your life to Jesus and all of those things was for you to get into heaven, the day you said yes, you would have gone. Like, if, if you believe in rapture, like, you would have gone. You understand? But the fact that you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to this faith, and you're still here, means there's work to be done here. Like, um, Joseph of Arimathea in the Bible, the one that, like... Preach! <laughs> yeah, I was a preach. Like, <laughs> like, in the Bible, after, like, Jesus was uh, crucified on the cross and his body was there, this, this Joseph guy went to the leaders, to the, essentially went into let's call it the presidential villa, and ask for Jesus' body. Now think about it. Could any Tom, Dick, and Harry in that age and in this present age just find his way into, you know, what is the emperor's place to then demand for a body and then purchase a tomb and, you know, 
mm-hmm. do this thing. So I believe that there's a physical and earthly relevance to the faith that we have, right? And some of this is manifested in um, what they call it, in I guess economics and your economic ability. But what I'll say is that even the Bible says the poor you would always have with you. So that's not to say that everybody would be rich and the desires for everybody to be, you know, rolling in money and all of those things. But I think mm-hmm. finding purpose and fulfilling that purpose, if it's, if it's economic for you or if that's what God has spoken to you, if the things in your hand that God has put to do has to do with you funding certain things and all of that, then you can't mm-hmm. be so spiritually minded that you're now like earthly irrelevant is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well said. And, and I think just after that, I think, I think again, if if somebody is going to church with the hope of getting faith to automatically get their finances up without putting in the work, yeah. then that is their own problem. Yeah. You know that that God is you can't hold God or a pastor accountable to that. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean just add that. But to be honest, like I think I think as roundup, this has been this is mad <laughs> mad lessons for me personally because it just gives me some perspectives to. You know, see things a bit different. You know, and I'm not I'm, I'm not just coming with my um you know scientific head all the time. You know, coming with some some I mean, apply that scientific head even to to things talk about. So like so, so like look for those evidence yeah. of, of all those things being done, which I will. But I mean, I've learned a lot. Yeah. Um, just recap. I think I think I think the point is just to say that you know, the faith is not a recipe. Yeah. From that thing you sent me, just read read that out. The faith is not a recipe. It's not a product. It is the way, yeah. right? And, and, and recipe and product will help you perform earthly jobs successfully, right? But the way is something that you walk in, yeah. right? And now me saying that, I sound like, like a badass pastor, but honestly, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm reading off an, an article, right? So don't think, don't think, yo, this guy, this guy is... <laughs> there you have it, a review of this week's episode of 20s Convos. If you enjoyed this, please like it or leave a rating or share it with a friend you think might have enjoyed this too. We release new episodes every Monday. Until next time, take care and stay safe.